This is In Conversation from Apple News Today. I'm Duarte Geraldino. Every weekend, we're taking you deeper into the best journalism on Apple News. You ever get the feeling the stock market is rigged? Like, no matter what you do, heavy hitters are always going to make more money. Well, some experts say, if you're feeling that way, you might be right. Insiders of all kinds consistently outperforming the market. They get out before bad news. They trade before good news. That's Liam Vaughn. He's a senior reporter with Bloomberg Businessweek. His latest article is about the prevalence of insider trading. This is such an open secret, such a baked-in part of the system. He's not talking about the kind of insider trading that Martha Stewart was convicted of. Those kind of cases involve one person giving someone else a tip, information they're not supposed to know. The kind of cases Vaughn looked into are different and arguably much more lucrative. My article's about something that's in some ways more kind of pedestrian, but in other ways potentially more impactful and concerning, which is where executives basically place trades they don't tell anyone because they don't need to. They just trade themselves or they get their broker to do it. And it can be pretty hard to prove the person in question did anything wrong. If anyone comes asking, which they very rarely do, they turn around and say, no, 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 I was trading because the timing was right or I needed to liquidate my holdings or whatever it is. So it's it's the kind of everyday trading by corporate America that I'm writing about. Take this example. You know, in, in one case, a guy had a 500% return because he placed all these trades before his company made an announcement about a positive set of cancer results and the share price jumped 500%. Well, I interviewed him and he talked about the fact that some of that information was already out in the public domain. So he was he says that he was as surprised by the jump as, as anyone else. So let's tackle the big question. Is the stock market rigged? Yes or no? <laughs> Vaughn wouldn't give me a clear-cut yes or no, but he did explain why this is important to pay attention to. The rules say insiders can't trade on material, non-public information. But in practice, he argues, one of the biggest open secrets on Wall Street is that this is happening all the time. Insider trading is essentially where you are an insider within a corporation. You might be the CEO or some kind of other executive or board member, and you're privy to you know, information that could potentially move the stock. It might be that there's some bad news coming down the pike. You might be being investigated by a regulator or it might be good news. You might have a fantastic set of earnings. And insider trading, uh, or at least of the kind that I, I write about, refers to when insiders will trade on that information to beat the underlying market and to profit. And so if you are, you know, someone with a, a pension plan or if you're someone who just dabbles a bit on the stock market yourself... You know, every time you take the opposite side of a trade against an insider, you're essentially losing money because they know what's about to happen. You don't. And you're taking the wrong end of the bet, so to speak. How many insiders would you say they are? Can you quantify that number? Yeah. So, you know, one of the good things and why this research has been able to be done is that if you are an insider in the US, then you have to file a disclosure every time you trade. And so we know that there's around 82,000 insiders in the US. How common then is insider trading? I mean, in terms of quantifying it, it's very difficult because so little of it is actually caught. What we can say is that if you look at insiders and compare their trading returns versus the rest of the market, they consistently outperform as a group. 
So, for example, those 82,000 outperformed the underlying S&P 500 by five percentage points between 2015 and 2020. And if you consider that was actually a very positive period for the stock market, that's considerable outperformance. How do they respond when people say, hey, is this something fishy? Is this insider trading because you did so much better than anyone else seemed to have been able to do? Yeah, I mean, they turn around and say, wow, I'm as surprised as you are. I only ever trade, you know, during the correct times. All my trades are approved by lawyers and aren't I lucky, but there's no guarantee that it will keep happening. You know, they certainly don't believe that they've done anything wrong or or anything illegal. And to be fair, there's no evidence that they necessarily have. It's just that they've been very, very fortuitous. And, you know, you do have an advantage if you're an executive, even if you're not trading on inside information, you're still going to know what something means, even if it's in the public domain, better than other people. So, you know, you have to factor in that there is going to be some kind of degree of of outperformance. So, Moderna, as you know, it was one of the first companies to come out with a vaccine. Last year, company higher-ups sold hundreds of millions of dollars in Moderna stock. A lot of people were looking at the chief medical officer in particular who changed his stock sales plan just days before his company released big vaccine news. Now, Moderna says that the sales were set up well in advance. Can you explain what exactly is happening in this case? Yeah, so the Moderna case is is an interesting one and it's quite typical and it's why this subject of insider trading has is, is become kind of uh, heated again which is that you have all these executives at these pharma companies like Moderna who are sitting on information where they know essentially that their company is about to announce some kind of brilliant set of results you know from its vaccine or is about to announce some kind of contract with the government or something that's going to make the share price pop then they were in a position to capitalize on that what the Moderna guy did when he's now left is essentially set up a trading plan So every week for 10 weeks, he would sell X amount of shares, but he set it up or it came into being the day after Moderna had announced like an incredible round of results in its vaccine. And so he made a huge amount of money. He made like $4 million over a period of 10 weeks. You know, it's interesting to me because on the one hand, you could argue, well, this guy contributed to the success of this company that's been involved in this great public good and... Moderna is one of the main vaccines that we're all using to get better. Why shouldn't he benefit from the proceeds of that? But other people say, well, you can benefit, but you have to do it in a, in a kind of fair way. And if you're essentially just trading off the back of your knowledge of what's coming down the pipe, then uh, that seems unfair. You know, to be clear, he didn't do anything illegal. He just played the rules as they currently stand. And I think it helps highlight there's some problems with the rules. Okay, this is probably a good place to talk about the rules because insider trading is hard to prosecute. Technically, insider trading is not in and of itself a crime. Here's how Liam explains it. There is no insider trading definitional rule in the US law. Like if you're going to be done for insider trading, you're actually done for fraud. What that means is to be charged with insider trading, you have to be charged with fraud under the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. Liam calls this crime, as it is written out in the act, deceptively difficult to prove. That's exactly right. Yeah, I approach the story that you have on the one hand all this kind of really fascinating research which demonstrates how pervasive this type of insider trading is. But then if you look at convictions, they're very, very low. They're at 30-year lows. Well, why? 
you know, why is nobody prosecuting this? And so I spoke to a bunch of former SEC folks and former people that are, you know, used to work for the Justice Department, and they all agree that it's just a really, really difficult crime to prosecute. One of the reasons for that is exactly as you say, that there's just a lack of evidence. And in order to prosecute somebody for insider trading, you have to demonstrate that they had a, a criminal intent. And to do that, you know, you normally rely on an email that says, hey, we better get out of this now because, you know, because something bad's about to happen. Whereas in these cases, that doesn't exist. But there's other issues as well. It's very easy for an executive at the end of it to say, no, 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 it might look like I had information that the company was about to be, you know, criminally charged, but I was actually just trading based on my own perception of what's out there already. Or I was just trading because I just fancied it because it was a Tuesday. And you might be suspicious of that, but to prove a case beyond a reasonable doubt uh, is very hard. The numbers show that regulators brought only a handful of enforcement actions for insider trading. The SEC, as I know, wouldn't comment for your story, but you talk to a lot of former government lawyers. Why do they think the feds aren't doing more? There's a couple of reasons. One, which we've talked about, is that these cases are just really hard to bring. They don't want to spend their time bringing a case that they're ultimately going to lose and that's going to make them look bad. But the other thing, which was pretty surprising to me, is this kind of sense that, and maybe it's born of the fact that it's in their interest to say this, but this sense that it's not that bad, like compared to a kind of, you know, Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme where, you know, a guy lies about his returns and lots of people lose their life savings or compared to like an accounting fraud like Enron where the company goes under and lots of people lose their jobs and lots of people lose money, you know, the kind of drip drip of insider trading maybe isn't the worst thing in the world. Yes, every day investors are going to lose a bit of money on every single trade that they're on the other side from, but it's a small amount each time and it's not going to break the system. And so ultimately there's a kind of sense of ennui, I would say, amongst people that used to bring these white collar cases about that. And, 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 you know, to be fair, amongst some of them, there does seem to almost be like a philosophical sense that listen, the markets aren't fair. They never have been. And so the idea of enforcing a rule that kind of is predicated on this kind of notion that the market should be a fair, even playing ground is, is kind of naive. You talk about all these small trades. When you add them all up, how much money are we talking about that's going into the pockets of insiders? I mean, you're talking about billions and billions of dollars. Um, you know, we're talking about every single company in America is included within these kind of calculations. So, you know, possibly into the, the trillions of dollars. But, I, you know, I don't have that figure in there, but we are talking billions of dollars. And yet there are some people who say it's essentially not a big deal, that it's in some way good for the market. That seems so incredibly painfully, actually, <laughs> counterintuitive. I mean, one of the things that, again, is a consistent theme in my work is that the regulators are really underfunded. Ultimately, Wall Street gets bigger, companies get richer, CEOs get better paid, but the regulators stay on that flat line. You know, the SEC doesn't have enough money to bring all the cases that it wants, doesn't have enough money to buy the technology and the type of sort of computer power that the people that it's chasing have got. You know, there's an analogy of like, you know, a moped chasing a Ferrari. And that is essentially what the SEC and the CFTC have to deal with 
you know, on a day-to-day basis, the people that work there are incredibly hardworking and, and want to do the right job, but ultimately they can't bring the cases that they want. And so this, to me, and I think that's one of the conclusions of the piece, is that ultimately seems to be one of those things that maybe they consider like jaywalking or something. It's like you just kind of let it go because ultimately either it's too big to take on, you know, like drugs, you know, maybe you're better off just saying we're not going to challenge this, so let's just legalise it. Or ultimately, they just, yeah, they're just focusing on other things. So I agree, you know, it's incredibly galling to see it and laid out like that. But ultimately, they are limited in what they can do as well. You mentioned that there are companies now that track insiders and they sell this information to you or me to anyone who wants to follow the habits and the investing practice of these insiders. Tip ranks is one of them. What is tip ranks? How would you explain what it is? Yes. Yeah, so every day, if you go on the SEC's database, it kind of spits out every single trade that corporate America makes in their own stock. But it's like a torrent of data. And, you know, even if you were a pretty savvy investor, it's pretty hard for you to wrangle that data and get anything meaningful out of it. Tip ranks, what essentially they do is they take that, they strip out a lot of the trades that they believe aren't particularly predictive, and then they come up with a ranking of the the top insiders based on their track record over a number of years, you know, their kind of win rate and how much they win and their consistency. And, you know, that's pretty helpful. It gives you a very good snapshot of who's doing very well consistently over time. I mean, one of the interesting things I, I felt about this story is that there's a kind of democratization going on. Like if you were to look at things 20 or 30 years ago, the only people that were doing this were the George Soros's of the world, these kind of very savvy hedge funds, and they would hire people to go through the filings and they would be able to sort of factor in what insiders were doing into their information. So it's very much like a a kind of closed shop, really. But now tip ranks and others like it are sort of doing that, but they're doing it for a much more a retail audience, you know, the kind of crypto crowd or the Robin Hood crowd. That to me looks like the market is saying essentially there is value in tracking the trades of insiders. Whether that's insider trading or not, there's something to be said. They're doing far better than most of us. Is that accurate or no? That's 100% accurate, yeah. And and you're right to make the distinction. You know, they don't make a distinction between insiders, insider trading and insiders just trading. Um, but yes, and it's it's long been understood by Wall Street and is now being understood by everyone else that tracking insiders is definitely a worthwhile activity. And if you're able to, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff, isolate the trades that are really informative, then yes, there's a lot of money to be made. Thank you so much, Liam. It was great chatting with you. Thank you. The headline for Liam Vaughn's article comes from an expert he interviewed. Quote, most Americans today believe the stock market is rigged, and they're right. You can get the full story on Apple News with an Apple News Plus subscription.